In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. About two years ago, I went to Israel on a tour with 50 other clergy. And one of the days, they took the bus up a big hill, and they said, we're going to see Megiddo. And we got out of the bus, and there's a lot of people already there, and they're taking pictures like crazy. And they were taking pictures of rocks, all I could see. I mean, running around just in awe of these piles of rocks, and there were just rocks everywhere, piles and piles of rocks. And I thought, whoa, that's weird. So uh, the guide, who kind of herded us all into one area, started explaining that Megiddo is, on top of this hill, is a civilization where there were actually 25 separate civilizations. And he brought us over to one heap of rocks, and he said, okay, look down here. You can see how they were building houses at the time, and they were using this kind of rock. And then he kind of painted a picture of that civilization. Then he moved up the pile of rocks, and those were different colored rocks. And he started explaining about that civilization. And he was such an incredible storyteller that all of a sudden you're in the middle of this civilization. And he kept going on and explaining more and more how they protected themselves from their enemies on top of this hill. And then he brought us over to another set of rocks. And I'm looking at this wall of rocks. And all of a sudden he says, well, see the stairs in these rocks? This goes down into the earth, into a cistern where they stored water. And then we, we went down these stairs that I hadn't seen until he pointed them out into the hill. And he talked about how thousands of years ago they engineered digging all the way down through this hill and digging in from the side a secret tunnel to find water. And that somehow they met. This is without any of the engineering hardware that we have today. I was in awe. Next thing you know, I am taking pictures of those rocks like the rest of the crazy people. I mean, picture after picture, oh, this rock was this civilization, and look at this rock. And I came home with 800 pictures from Israel. So, you know, my husband's looking at my MacBook, and he's going through the pictures, and he goes, honey, a lot of pictures of rocks. <laughs> so I kind of called it down to 146 pictures, and, you know, I've got my Israel presentation, and he looks at that and he goes, a lot of rocks. Hope you got something decent to say about the rocks. Well, I've given the presentation a number of times, and people love the presentation, because I do have something to say about the rocks. But without my guiding people through what these rocks are, it would just be a bunch of rocks. If you've ever gone on vacation or gone somewhere, and you've gone on a guided tour, you know how much the guide can add to your experience. I mean, we can all go through a museum and read the plaques, and I'm kind of A plus, so I, I skim the plaques, and then I just read the bold, and you know, you miss a lot. But if you have an engaging guide, you can get so much more out of the experience. It puts things in a totally different context because they can't put the paragraphs and the stories on the plaques. So today, we celebrate the fact that we have a guide. We have a guide who has actually called us all here today. Everyone in this room is here because you have been called here. Now, maybe it's because you're having a special relative baptized and, and you're here as a, as a visitor, but 
for most of us who come here, we're called here. I mean, who would get up on a Sunday morning when you have a chance to sleep and read the New York Times unless you're called? We're called by our guide, and the guide that we have is Jesus. And our guide puts life into a particular context. So think about the context your life is in because of the guide, the Good Shepherd. You're in a context of knowing that you are beloved people of God. And that makes a difference in your life. It absolutely puts all the rocks of life into a particular context. Think about the events that have occurred in your life. If you didn't have the context of God as the Good Shepherd, what would those events have been like? How would you have processed them? What would you have thought? I've been spending time with people who don't have a context for life, who do not have a guide. But yet things happen and they don't know how to process things. So if we have no context and we grow up, our context is just the observations we make about the world about us. And in the world about us, if you look around right this second and think about all the input that we get from TV, from the internet, from texting, from social media, that there's one kind of viewpoint that comes across, which is the cultural viewpoint. But when that's the only viewpoint, it can be hard to put other things in perspective or in a context. What happens when somebody dies? What happens when somebody gets cancer? What happens when a baby is born? Is that something we take for granted? Is that something we have thanksgivings about? And if we're thankful, who are we thankful to? So the greatest gift that can be given to a child is to raise them in a context, a context around God. Now, I don't believe that Christianity is the only way to God. I can't believe God is that small. I believe there are other ways. And I think for some of us, we've gotten beyond that Jesus is the one way. Because when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way to the Father is through me, he's talking about the Roman way, which was a way of oppression. Jesus' way is the way of love. And if God is love, God loves all people, regardless of their path to God. But what I'm talking about are people today who have no sense of God. That I'm with people, young people, in the demographic that we're kind of missing, the 20s and the 30-year-olds, who have no sense of God and no context, no story, no narrative, no greater overshadowing narrative. And so they grow up in whatever family system they grow up in, and we all know our families are our families, and there's no perfect Hallmark family. Maybe if yours is, come talk to me. <laughs> we, there is no perfect family. So we grow up with the messages that come from our families, and some of those messages are, you're not good enough, you know, we have expectations around our children, you need to go to college, if you don't, I'm going to kill you, or whatever it is, whatever expectation we have. So when we're raised in the context of Christianity, what we learn as children is that we are beloved children of God and that we are loved beyond our wildest imagination. 
so that when we get the outside messages, when we don't live into our parental expectations or whatever it is, we have the foundation that's there saying, you are beloved. And that no matter what happens in our life, we know we're loved. Because there are moments in life when we don't feel loved. But God loves us and that love never quits. So if we're in that context, we can survive anything. Because in those moments of Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When we get a diagnosis, when someone close to us dies, when we don't get the job that we want, when we don't get into the college we really wanted to go to, and we feel forsaken and abandoned, we have the very next Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want that it's God who's guiding us, that it's God who still loves us. I spoke to a teenager very recently who is a devoted Christian, and I said, why? What is the message for you? And she said that no matter the wickedness that I may experience or, or the things that I do or whatever is happening in life, I know I'm loved by God. And that is what sustains us through the times of joy and through the times of difficulty. So for children to have that as a context, that will remain with them their entire life. So when the children of this parish come up to the communion rail, the priests kneel down and we look them right in the eye and they think we gotta be something because we're wearing these clothes and we're behind the rail. So we must have a clue. And we look them right in the eye and we stare them down and we say, you remember that God loves you very much. And right now, because we do it every Sunday, I get the eye roll, duh. <laughs> and then I know I've done my job because that will be their context forever and ever. Amen.